Hello and welcome to Teaching Python. This is episode 24, Avoiding the Summer Slide for Teachers. My name is Sean Tiber. I am a coder who teaches. My name is Kelly Schuster Paredes, and I'm a teacher who codes. Yeah, so we're trying out some new branding because we've we're into year two now. And so for Kelly and I, we're we've now crossed the threshold. Now we are well on our way to next year. And we're in the middle of summer right now. So how has your week been going, Kelly? It's been going well. I actually, I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant about the teacher who codes, but I'm, I think I'm a lot, a lot more than a teacher who's just starting to code. So we, somewhere in the middle, someone can come up with a, a, a great adjective, not adjective, yeah, adjective for that. That would gonna, be great. I'm going to use a silly word and I'm going to say hogwash. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm, I would I would give it to you, but you've earned the title. You have worked really hard over the past year to learn how to code, and you've been making remarkable progress. So you I have officially earned the title, a teacher who codes. All so. right. Sounds good. Sounds good. So my week's been good. My, my week's been actually great. I did take a week off of coding for a bit, and so I've been full force today. I went to a conference, so it, it was great. And I'm going to save that because I might be my win of the week. Nice. And so how about you? Well, How's your week been? So for me, this is, it's been a good week. I'm into my second week of summer camp this year. So I'm working on STEM camp. I teach the computer science portion of our summer camp here at Pinecrest. This week, we're focusing on balls and sports and games. And so today we spent some time with these really cool things called game balls where they have a little accelerometer built into them and you can get data about how fast they go, how high they go, how long they hang up in the air. And so we're gonna gather all that data and use it as our observations to create video games using Scratch because I've got some younger kids that are going to tackle the problem of how to make a video game and make it realistic with some actual physics in it. They're gonna use the data they gathered today to make some real video games. That sounds great. That sounds like there's some sort of wins going to happen this week with that for you. I might have to save that for next week, but so far so good. So it's kind of weird because this is probably when our first week without being with each other and working side by side and we get to explore our different passions this week. So do you want to just tell me about your win of the week? My win of the week actually had nothing to do with school, but it had a lot to do with Python. So I am part of a, a local synagogue here, and one of the things we've been doing is trying to get information about our membership and what they're looking for and their attitudes and behaviors and everything. So we recently completed a survey of the membership. We got a lot of data and a lot of answers, and so my job has been to help segment that data and look at it in a number of different ways. And I've been using Python to do that. And it was really a great experience. I learned a ton using a lot of pandas. I tried using Seaborn to do my visualizations. A library on top of matplotlib that helps your visualizations come out a little bit prettier and a little bit easier. So I pulled it together over the last couple of days last week and really came up with some interesting insights, some things that we had suspected for a while, but didn't have the data to confirm it, and now we do. So I think it's gonna really help us make some good decisions about where we go from here and who we're going to try to help out the most with our services as, a, as an organization. That's awesome. That's a lot of things, and it's just kind of like, uh, almost like an automate the boring stuff kind of activity for you, no? Well, I, with a little maybe, bit more of non-boring things. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I mean, this is my past life and my current life coming together. I've done a lot of work in marketing analytics and consumer insights over, over the course of the last couple of decades, actually. But 
what's been really cool about this was the ability to really feel like I had the freedom to slice and dice it however I wanted. That it wasn't limited by the software, it was really just how could I use Python to do this and how could I use Pandas to do it. It felt like it was really freeing as an approach. That's excellent. Well, my win of the week, I just, it's been a long wins of, of, of a long week of wins, I should say. I just returned from Napa, American Canyon and Sonoma, where I spent a week, four of the days working in a conference or attending a conference and making lots of connections. I'll hold off on telling you all about my conference later, but I think the biggest win is just meeting so many people. One of my leaders of the conference, Christy Lathrop, her husband is a data scientist in Python. I was talking about the circuit playground to her and she was so excited. She couldn't wait to tell her husband. I met a senior lecturer from Exeter in in the UK who was telling me all about what she does in engineering and entrepreneurship and strategic curriculum design, just amazing people. And I was, of course, telling everyone about teaching Python and the things that we do. And I met a, um, a few computer scientists who were there at the conference with me. So it was just an amazing time of meeting people outside of our field, outside of our community in a different setting, student teachers from low-income schools in South Carolina and Georgia, professors from Puerto Rico, you name the place we met. We had a group of Australians in my class, about 11 of them, and they were all administrators and head curriculum district level people. It was just a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So that was a huge win. I love talking to people and putting myself outside of that comfort zone of getting to know other people. Yeah, that sounds like it was really great. I was following you on Twitter all week, you know, all the different things you were posting and you know, several of our colleagues were there with you and it was really great to see how they were able to start to use some of these PBL techniques, this project-based learning towards their concrete learning objectives that they have for their classes. And it was really a great thing to see that all come together in different subject areas, to be able to see it come together in pieces. It was really a fun thing to watch happen even remotely. Yeah, it was great. And on the plane ride home, I listened to our last episode with Meg Ray and because I wanted to refresh my mind about how she was using PBL kind of in her designing of the curriculum. It's been it was it was on the forefront of my mind the whole time we were, I was there of how I'm going to use the fantastic teaching standards that they provide us and how we're going to implement those standards into teaching our curriculum next year. That's awesome. You know, that kind of gets us into, you know, thinking about, you know, we're not really there ne to next year yet. I mean, I was looking at my summer schedule and it doesn't feel like I have much time left before we're back in the classroom teaching again. But one of the things I wanted to talk about with you is, you know, how do we use our summers? Uh, this is my first summer as a teacher. So this is my last, uh, not my last first, but this is m one of the big firsts of being a teacher. This is my first summer off. I guess I don't really know how to take the summer off. I want to keep doing things. I want to keep trying things. I want to keep learning and exploring. And the nature of it has changed. So instead of grading and attendance and the day-to-day -day operations of being a teacher, there's more freedom to explore and try new things. And I was curious, and this is where our topic came from, how do we best use our summers in a variety of different ways? Not just to accomplish things, but also how do we 
relax and refresh and refocus ourselves in the best way so that we, when we come back, we're ready to do it all over again. Yes, most people think that teachers, we just go all summer and we just sit at the beach and do nothing and have a complete free time and we just let our minds go. And I yeah, and I, oh, hold on, hold on. I, to, yeah, that's two frozen drinks, please. And, I, <laughs> <laughs> and if you get extra lime this time, right? <laughs> yes, we're not recording on a beach at all. <laughs> not today, anyways. It's a little bit rainy in South Florida, so it's been rainy this week. But it's not really that time. We even if we are sort of not in the classroom, not in the building. I kind of feel like it's our 20% time opportunity ourselves. You know, that Google philosophy where 80% of the time we're working so hard throughout the year and we have 20% of that time left for us. And it's just, it's a time to devote to ourselves for professional development, free of work distractions, not life distractions, but definitely work distractions. It's just that time to make us become better teachers, more effective teachers Give us something to do to keep our brains from, I guess what you said, sliding, sliding into that summer slide. That's something that we have seen with students, right? That they leave at the end of the year, maybe they're a little burnt out, but they've been learning so much throughout the year. And then the, in the fall, it's like, where did all that knowledge go? What happened to it? What did they do over the summer? And we spend a lot of time building them back up again, helping them recover some of what they had lost over the summer. And that's what many teachers have termed the summer slide, right? Where they slide from one to the other and lose along the way, lose some of that knowledge and some of that even study skills and habits and the the extra pieces of being in the, the learning mode over the summer. So Kelly, you found something that was four tips for avoiding the summer slide for kids. And we thought it might be fun to see if those tips apply for teachers as well. Yes, and I'm trying to think of, but we can relate them sort of. Definitely, I try to do this for our kids, uh, my kids and our students. But the first one they were talking about is read, read, and read again for kids. And I think our school really, really highlights that. I know I got, I have, I don't know, a stack of books <laughs> that our boss has given us. And I've gotten through one, but definitely read. Have you done any reading? Yeah, actually, I've been doing more recreational reading. I kind of needed some of that quiet time to just read some fiction and some things that I like, that I enjoy, just some quiet time to relax and get lost in a good story for a few days or a week or so has been really helpful for my own kind of peace of mind. But when it comes to reading things for professional development, it's been a lot of you know Python coding, not so much teaching stuff. I've been learning to be able to do some stuff this summer. So my reminder, my takeaway is I maybe need to dust off some of those books about how to be a better teacher this summer as well. Well, I had a head start on my summer reading. I did. I read the How to Raise Successful People. I finished that book. Starting on making thinking visible. I've read a couple pages in there. I kind of like to float in between a couple of books and teach students how to learn. But I too have taken your advice and I have embarked on the pleasure reading and I got a book and I think as I was reading and I was like, this is a book for Sean. It's called AI Apocalypse. And it's, Uh, I don't know, have you read it? (laughs) No, no, it's great. It has everything I love. It has uh, artificial intelligence, post-apocalyptic, dystopia, like it's perfect. It's fabulous, actually. I'm, I'm halfway through. I couldn't put it down. The concepts built around how everyone has switched to mobile phones. Now 
There is an AI. I'm not going to give you too much of the information. I did skip book one of the Singularity series. I just thought the AI apocalypse was going to be more interesting. It's so far well-written, especially for educators in computer science, because it's through the view of some under 18-year-olds and some professionals in the field. And that's all I'm going to say about this. But I've been reading it thinking that I'm going to be finished and giving it to you. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Well, everything I have right now is on the Kindle, so I'll have to figure out how to loan that to you digitally. (laughs) Okay. So number two on the list is exploring, and this is for kids again, was help them explore their fascination just to promote learning. So how can we spend that for teachers? How can you explore the fascination for you, Sean? For me, that's not too hard, right? I have a list of things that I'm just fascinated by that I love doing, I love working on and tinkering on. So I always feel like I have this backlog. But I think if you're searching for something and you're in this space, there are so many cool things coming out right now. In fact, just today, they announced the Raspberry Pi 4. So the new version of the Raspberry Pi, it's way more powerful. It does all this hardware video decoding. It has more memory. So maybe there's some machine learning in it. Sometimes just getting a new piece of kit, right? A new piece of gear to try out can prompt some fascination. What could I do with this? How could I make this work? How could I explore it? So I've been, you know, kind of obsessively checking the Adafruit new product list. I've been looking at some stuff from SparkFun. I've been looking at some, you know, low cost MicroPython boards to try to experiment with. And of course, I keep tinkering on my pool sensor project. This just this ongoing sense of, well, what can I do? How interesting is that? How does it work? And I spent quite a bit of time last week when I wasn't in summer camp, just exploring those and enjoying the ability to sit down for three or four hours and just dig deep into something and see where it led without a specific goal in mind. Yeah, mine's been, I guess, a little bit promoted by my own fascination and a lot promoted by what my kids want to do. And also to help support myself when I go to teach the little kids at the end of the summer, like you're doing right now. So I've been, that's a kind of a fascination for me. Last year, I had purchased some canvas and some acrylic paint and my kids and I painted some photos, some paintings for our house and we're going to do that again. And it's just something that has been come a summer hobby for me. So that's one of the things. And it's a nice turn off from tech because I try to avoid staying on tech the whole time with my kids around because I get hooked on this Udemy course that I'm still taking with Colt Steel. And I get lost in it. And the next thing I know, I've been on the computer for three hours and I try to get up early in the morning. So that's kind of like where I'm balancing on tech and off tech a lot at home. So exploring my creative side with painting and just doing a, finishing up my courses. Nice. That sounds great. I really like that kind of unplugged fascination too. Just even looking for something that is not a tech digital sort of project that can let your mind work in different ways for a little while is is a really good thing. I have some stuff I've been working on for you for later in the summer because I think you have the Under the Sea theme weeks at summer camp. And so I, when I was at the beach a few weeks ago with my wife, we picked up a bunch of shells. So I set some of them aside for you so you can make some digital jewelry with the shells. Oh, that's, that's going to be great. But that process of collecting the shells and sorting through them and cleaning them up and getting them ready has been a really great unplugged activity. It was just really relaxing to go walk along the beach and look for shells. This is kind of flows into to number two, but for parents, they suggest don't underestimate what these kids can do. Learning can be messy and full of failure. 
we often surprise ourselves by just trying. What things have you been trying that are messy and have been um, surprising in your learning? Well, I guess, I mean, look, I'm in the middle of like building a 3D printer right now. So it's a mess on the workbench here. But I think the more important thing is not so much the messiness aspect of it. It doesn't have to be messy, but I think you should go out and try to fail at something this summer. Go out and try something that you don't know is going to work, something that has a bit of risk to it and will probably not work out because you might surprise yourself that it actually does, that it could actually be something kind of cool or different. Maybe it's like launching that blog. Maybe it's introducing a competitor podcast to ours. I don't know, whatever it is. Find something that it gets you outside of your comfort zone. It's a risk and something that maybe you've underestimated yourself in what you can do. See what happens and try try something new. I think there's a lot of new things that are coming my way. My kids have been telling me that I have to start doing Hack the Minecraft with them. I've been avoiding Minecraft, but we're talking about building some worlds in Minecraft, and it's going to get messy because there's actually a Minecraft six weeks of summer going to be launching actually today, June 24th, where Minecraft is teaching about biodiversity through the, the world and the realm. So that's going to be really interesting. That's going to be a messy learning opportunity for me because my kids have been building worlds and sport complexes and houses that I couldn't imagine a five-year-old could build and an eight-year-old. So that's my messy failure <laughs> opportunity <laughs> coming up tomorrow. Nice. <laughs> nice. And, and there's a good chance that like it totally won't work but you're going to learn something from it, right? Yes. And what better opportunity than trying now over the summer when there's not a whole room full of kids staring at you watching it not work, right? Absolutely. And, you know, eventually I can hack in Python and Py Minecraft. So that's my ideal for learning. <laughs> that's awesome. That'll be fun. <laughs> so number four, uh, you know, this actually applies a lot to us. I mean, but they suggest for parents to tell the kids, embrace the math, the core of science and tech. And, oh, you know, we do that all the time, right? I mean, maybe maybe it's time to try something new. So one of the things that I want to work on over the next few weeks is some stuff with geometry and turtle python and just sharpening up my knowledge of the math behind that coordinate systems and direction and plotting and everything. So maybe maybe even if you do spend a lot of time with math, maybe find some new things to try or some different things to see what you could make work. Exactly. When I was talking to this professor in Exeter University, she was discussing about training the, the math teachers at their university and how could Python be brought in to make the way of math, teaching the way of math, a little bit different and more exciting. And so we had a lot of a great conversations about how perhaps uh, an entire curriculum or at least definitely a course in engineering with Python could help a new wave curriculum. So it was a lot of fun things. So yeah, that's opportunities to embrace that math as well there. Yeah. And there's some really great resources out there. I mean, I would also put statistics into this category as well. So just brushing up your knowledge of statistics, there's some really great books out there that will help you with some of the fundamentals. I mean, my college textbook in statistics was the Cartoon Guide to Statistics. Still one of my favorite books. I have, I think I've bought a copy of it every few years <laughs> over the, over the past 20, just to be able to brush up and have something to refer to. It's a really clear, fun way to learn some very complex topics and stats. And then the other thing is Project Euler. E-U-L-E-R, we'll put it in the show notes, is a great way to solve math problems using code. So it'll be problems like find the sum of all you know numbers that are a factor that are 
what factorized by three between one and a million. And so you try to figure out how to write the code and the trick is to write the code as succinctly and as clearly as possible using the fewest lines. So it can be kind of challenging and it gets you to think about the way the numbers relate to one another in a really interesting way. That's good advice. So I'm going to add a number five to this, what parents can do to keep kids from sl summer slide and what we can then do, because this will, this will tie in what we're going to be doing, I've done and you are going to do, but is maybe go to summer camp. And our version of summer camp are summer conferences. And there are tons of summer conferences going on. And you're going to go to one next week, right? Uh, or two weeks. In two weeks. Two weeks. I'm going to SciPy in Austin, Texas. I, I just tweeted out this morning, looking at the uh, session list is both exciting and exhilarating and terrifying because the the science side of it is so incredibly cool. People are doing some amazing things with this. And I feel like, I, I mean, I know that it's going to be accessible when I get there. I know that the Python community is wonderful in that way. They give you the background. You can always lean over to your neighbor and ask them for help, and they're going to like give you the crib notes on how to get through the, the talk. There's some really cool stuff going on, and I am so excited to go learn about it so that I can bring it back to our science teachers and help connect some of this Python and the sciences together in a better way for our students so that they can learn in new and interesting ways as well, ways that are maybe are hopefully more effective for them to gather the information and gather, gain the knowledge. Yeah, and there are just so many conferences out there. Currently, a couple of our colleagues are at the ISTE conference right now, ISTE in 2019, and that conference is very wide spec spectrum of computer science curriculum from, from scratch to computational thinking to physical computing. I know Microbit is there right now, and I'm not, Adafruit's not there, but other hardware places are there and they have AR and VR. So there's a lot of learning going on there for our colleagues. And I can't wait to talk to them after they come back from that. And I just came back from, as we said earlier, the PBL works conference. It's called the PBL world 2019 and it's in Napa. That's a little bit switched from computer science. It's sort of in the same realm of, of how we teach. I really, it's one of these conferences where they take this project-based learning and it's this vehicle. One of the participants in my con in my workshop was saying it's this vehicle and what we put inside the vehicle and take with us is just uh, another way of doing some great teaching. And they talk about building the culture and we, we build the culture in our classroom all the time. They know in a project-based learning class that you have to have you have to let the kids know that there's no single right answer, that we have high expectations, that we have guidelines and voice and choice opportunities for the kids. We also design sort of some working parameters for the students, but they are self-paced. We don't have all the answers. It's also like um, a lot of routines that happen in PBL of how Maybe we, we, the kids are developing their own set of questions. They're figuring out all these soft skills that we, we've been teaching the whole year are actually other skills of using project-based learning. So there were a lot of things I, I brought back from that, um, assessing student learning, different ways that we can figure out if they're getting our Python teaching. So I can't wait to bring that and have a full conversation about that with you when we come back to school and just how to engage them in coach 
the kids. So, so much going on and I can't recommend PBL works enough. It's, it's a great conference and a, a great venue in Napa. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, you know, it also struck me as we were having this conversation, as we were thinking about this topic, this isn't exclusive to teachers and it's not exclusive to administrators or anybody else. These tips are really great for a variety of different professions and occupations, no matter where you are. Reading is always good. Being able to have the freedom to explore, you know, don't est- underestimate yourself. Try things that will likely fail. Brush up on your math. Go to summer camp. Brush your teeth. Right? Like all, <laughs> don't forget the floss. Make like these some are friends. All, make some friends. All good advice, no matter where you are. I think the benefit for teachers in our schedule is that there is this opportunity window. There's this window in most schools in the summertime where you have some choice over what you can do, at least in an ideal situation. But if you're not a teacher and you're thinking about how could I apply this, you know, pick one of these. Pick a pick a new book that you haven't read yet. Pick something that's outside of your comfort zone. Try something that you think is going to fail, but do it in a way that you know, maybe if it succeeds, it could be really great. There's always a way to help improve your own professional development. I'm excited because this summer seems to be chock full of it. There's just so many different things to do and to explore. I don't feel like I'm slowing down at all. I've had a few moments to relax and catch my breath. I'm really excited about all the different things that I get to do this summer and all the fun I'm having working with kids in summer camp where it's a different pace and style trying new things, learning, failing, trying again. So far, it's been a fantastic summer. That's good. And I think just having those brain breaks, those change of of routines for us, it's just an opportunity to become more creative. I've already started to notice the, the change of my learning this summer. I'm taking in little nitpick things like different methods for dictionaries and how to nest list and dictionaries together and and just the different ways do I pop or <laughs> or do I I I'm not look at I'm I'm going a little bit blank right now but just going through all the different things of what I could do and I think that's because I I changed the pace it wasn't about trying to get kids to do something it wasn't about my current teaching objective but what what I wanted to do for my learning so It's just a good, fun break for yourself. Well, we're going to keep this to a relatively short episode this week so we can get it out, or I can get it out in a more timely fashion than the last couple episodes. If you have ideas or suggestions, hit us up on Twitter. Share it with the community. You can always use the hashtag Python educators so that we can keep this together. But you can find us on Twitter at TeachingPython. You can also find us on our website if you want to send us a note, teachingpython.fm. We did have a follow-up from last week's episode. I think it was last week's or maybe two weeks ago. Kelly, you were talking about wanting to find a low-cost circuit python board that was solderable that we could just give the students. And we got a really great response from John Moss, who's on Twitter at uh, amusing moose with the underscores between the A and musing and moose. John suggested two different boards for us. There's um, an ESP8266 board called the Node MCU that retails for, I think it's like $7. It's Yeah, it's on Amazon right now for $6.79. So it will run MicroPython. It won't run CircuitPython, but it'll run MicroPython. It has Wi-Fi built into it, and it's enough to get something started. You can definitely make some lights blink with it and, and get things going. If you want something that's a little bit more powerful, 
there is something called, it's a ESP Room 32. It's an ESP32 based board that also runs MicroPython, but it has more pins, more power. It actually has Bluetooth built into it, which apparently isn't supported by MicroPython yet. But there's there's two different boards out there, and this one's $11. So, it, Kelly, we have some suggestions if you're looking for low-cost boards, things that you can program and code. There's a couple out there on Amazon, and I bet if you looked harder, you could probably even find some out there. So John wanted to say thank you for sending that in. We'll put links to both of those items in the show notes if you're curious about them. I know that one of our past guests, Peter Kazarinoff from, I believe it was Portland Community College, has had a lot of success with his engineering classes using these types of boards and MicroPython. So it's pretty fun. I think I have a, I think I have two or three of them on order to te- play around with and, and test out. Nice, nice. And if anyone has suggestions for some sci-fi books for me, I am trying to to expand my reading. So I, I can't keep reading about teaching and learning, although that is something I really like. I do. I, I kind of ha- am hooked on this sci-fi. So AI Apocalypse, I think you should read it. I'm not plug in this book, but go ahead, read it. <laughs> <laughs> and if anybody has some really good sci-fi books that are based on science fact. Oh, so so not not on the fantasy side, more on the science side. Yeah, not Star Wars-ish, but, you know, more of Back to the Future-ish. <laughs> yep. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, you know, and I think that works really well because we've used that in our English classes over the past year to talk about some of the implications of AI in our society. So although there's some, some reading for fun, there's a very practical nature to the request as well. How did you know that was what I was doing? <laughs> <laughs> We we have worked side by side for the past year, so I kind of knew where you were going with it. Okay. Well, for Teaching Python, this is Kelly. And this is Sean. Signing off.